right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 27th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussing, discussion of all things woodworking. I'm Diami Plotke of PenultimateWoodshop.com, and I'll be your host for the program. Our regular host, Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com, is toughing it out in New Orleans. I think he's on Bourbon Street as we speak uh, at the National Hurricane Conference, so he's doing God's work right now. Please remember that you can learn more about us and check out audio and video of this and previous podcasts at modernwoodworkersassociation.com and follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. So joining me today are the founder of the Modern Woodworkers Association, Mr. Chris Adkins from highrockwoodworking.com. Welcome, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing good, Diami. I was going to call you Tom there for a second, and <laughs> and you cannot pronounce it New Orleans. They don't like that. They they call it New Orleans. You know, you got to get that that Southern draw to it. I'm sorry, I'm from Long Island. I can't. I think help you it. can do it. Come on, <laughs> New Orleans. New Orleans. That's right. <laughs> um, and our guest for the night, who's going to be filling in as the third man in these normal beginning parts, as well as the focus of the show, is Mr. Asa Christiana of fine woodworking. So as I say that, Asa has dropped out of the podcast. So while we wait for Asa to come back in, uh, I think we'll just get into the, the normal uh, introductions. So Chris, what's going on in your shop right now? All right. Uh, my shop, uh, of course, last weekend, the woodworking shows were here in Atlanta. So uh, I was swamped. I stayed from, from Friday until Sunday. I was just slammed staying in, in, in that. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot a whole lot of fun with that. So I didn't get to spend much shop time. But that being said, I uh, I did pick up um, picking up some some stuff at the shop or the show. Um, I got some some molding planes uh, from from a guy there, and one of the ones I picked up was a, a beading plane, and it's okay. it's pretty cool. I started playing around with that, but somebody had taken the 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 plane body was in really good shape, but they took the the iron and basically flattened the iron off. And just took like a round file and just filed a, a notch just right down the center. So there was <laughs> it wasn't matching at all. I mean, there was no matching between the profile of the beating plane and the iron. So I just I finally just started I uh, started working on it the other night and just reground it down and started putting the profile back on it. And um, what are you using to profile it? Just a series of files? Just files. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few small small files and uh, they cut through it pretty quick. So. Uh, so that's that's one of the the items on, and then the second item um, that I've been working on is is my um, I've got an old 14 inch bandsaw that I was pretty much just ready just to to get rid of. It was just it was getting so rough you couldn't keep the blade adjusted. So um, so I actually picked up one of the the replacement. It's got the bearings on it to, to hold mm -hmm. the blade and. I couldn't believe what a difference it made. I mean, just phenomenal. I'll actually probably write something here pretty quick on that, but uh, made a huge difference. I mean, I've I've never been able to. Of course, it's a 14 inch, so I can't resaw anything too wide. Right. But um, but just with that 14, as soon as I changed that out, put the blade on it, you know, I could slice. I had a three inch board, and I could slice, you know, sixteenth off of it consistently. Wow. Now, are those the Carter guides? Hey guys, I'm, uh, yep. I'm, I'm back. To that. My my computer, uh, I don't know, crashed me out of Safari, but I'm back. And uh, I had a question for you, Chris, about that blade. Do you know how many teeth yeah. per inch it is? Well, the, it's it's rough as heck. The one that I the one that I got out there is a, uh, I think it's four. So it's it's fairly coarse. Um, so you you wouldn't yeah, want to the, the coarser the, the coarser the better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, very I, coarse. What up? But yeah, what I was saying is I changed. Uh, I don't know if you heard this ace on it, but originally I had just the. It's a delta fourteen inch, and I had just the original bearings and everything on it, and so it had right. that that like carbon, uh, the the carbon guides that held it in there, and mm -hmm. I replaced it with the with the Carter rollers, and uh, right. just made a huge difference. So much easier to adjust, you know, and just and then of course putting that that four per inch. I mean, that really made a big yeah. difference too. It's so much different. Those those roller guides are great because you can touch them right up against the blade. You don't have to really have that little gap. As long as the right. little weld in the blade will go through the rollers, you're good to go. But everybody out there should try three teeth per inch or less, and mm -hmm. that gives you bigger gullets between the teeth. And right. uh, all of a sudden, you'll find that your blade 
is not drifting anymore. A lot of the th a whole hubbub about drift has been because people are using blades that are finer than three teeth per inch. So um, four is getting you there, but sometime when when you buy your next blade, try a three, and uh, you'll be it. shocked at how amazing it is. And you can even use it on thin stock. People say you have to have a finer blade on thinner stock, and you know uh, you don't. Uh, it's actually bogus. So. Uh, it's amazing. If you use a coarser blade, you get better cuts. It's cool. Hmm. I've got it still, a, no, I was just going to say, does it still say fairly, you know, fairly smooth? I mean, not having that coarse, it doesn't leave it pretty rough? No, it's because it's not drifting. And if it's new, you got to always keep a sharp blade in there. It's actually, um, it's, at, it's actually more important to have a new sharp blade in there than to have a really expensive blade. So it's like buy you know, twelve, fifteen dollar blades uh, that are coarse, and change them when they start to get dull. And then um, don't overly push on the stock when it's going through, and that's where you get your fine cut. Just let the blade cut. Right. I have a cheap three tooth per inch blade I picked up from Highland. It's not the uh, their what's their resaw blade. It's not that one. It's just a regular, uh, regular three tooth per inch blade. And I got plenty of other issues with my saw, but I will say switching to that blade made a tremendous difference, and that was half the battle. But, Chris, if I could just ask for a second, you use it still using the Delta fence? No, I changed it. You changed that. So by the time you bought the Carter guides and bought the re replacement fence, does it still make sense to tune up a saw, or does it make sense to buy one? And I ask that because I've got an old rigid that all I've done is buy a blade and cool blocks for it. I've not yeah. dumped any real money into it, but I'm on the fence as to whether I should invest in, in tuning it up because it needs a new fence. It could use better guide blocks, or if I just bite the bullet and buy a new saw. Because I'm thinking by the time I tune up this saw, it's going to be four or $500. For another $500, I get a new saw. I mean, I spent, I mean, I think the, uh, I think those, those Barons, I think the Carter were, I don't know, I think it was like 179, 180 bucks, something like that. Um, and then I think the fence that I put on there was probably close to a hundred bucks. Um, so I mean, I, I probably got three hundred dollars in it. But at the same time, I mean, it, it, this all works great now. And yeah, I can't if if I'm going to do bigger material that I want to resaw and stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably upgrade. And I I debated actually just buying another saw for a long time, but. But I've had this one. The saw works fine. It's just it just needs some adjustments on it. So I'm satisfied okay. with where it's at for right now. Okay. Um, AZ, you dropped out just as we were introducing you. So uh, I'll introduce uh, formally introduce everyone to Asa, editor of Fine Woodworking. And now uh, up to you, Asa. What's going on in your shop these days? Oh, it takes me forever to finish a project <laughs> because of my day job. And so I've been working on... I bit off a big one this time. I've been working for almost the better part of a year on four dressers, like they're stackable Japanese tansu style. I've heard of this project. Dressers, yeah, I know. It's all I can. It's the only thing I have to talk about, other than you know I do little things for work here and there. I review tools and stuff, but it was just a big, big um, undertaking. But they're really awesome. Like the there's two pairs of stackable units, so the top case has. Um, sliding doors in it because I really like those like Asian kind of sliding doors and we did some articles with some guys out west on how to do sliding doors that move so beautifully and uh, and then there's a little bank of drawers below those in the top unit and then in the bottom unit it's just a standard chest of drawers with three big giant drawers um, and so there's two matching pairs of these that stack uh, it's a big job and I used a bunch of pine that we got a deal on at the magazine and a lot of it is sappy Okay. And uh, if you've ever worked with pine that's got a lot of sap in it, it's kind of a pain in the neck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, so it's not really uh, – it's coming out beautifully. One thing that I was thinking about lately is just one of the key things when you're woodworking is like – is that you constantly want to take a shortcut or compromise, you know. And I think a lot of um, my, my success or the things I'm proudest of is one sort of – refuse to compromise even if it takes longer it's like that's the great thing about being a hobbyist is like I can just refuse to compromise so um, I was I don't know if you saw this article we had about uh, about um, doing through dovetails and then laminating on a veneer on the front so it creates like a half blind dovetail on the front um, you know to create half blinds it's an easier way to make them 
so I had these beautiful veneers cut from the same board that were going to go across all the drawers, but they were bugging me, and they had weird sappy things, and uh, just to see how they would really look before I glued them onto the drawer fronts, I took them all the way through to finishing them completely, and then I still hated them, and so... <laughs> So I dumped them, and it was like the smartest thing I did, and I went and got cut better veneers to go on the front of there. And it was so worth not making that mistake because I would have had to live with that forever, you know? Yeah, yeah, and if it's something that's in your house, every time you see it, no matter how beautiful it is, no matter how much everyone else adores it, every time you see it, it's going to bug you. It's going to mock me. Yeah. Can you guys hear me okay now? No, we hear you fine. Yeah, you, you sound great. And I think that's a good point, you know, what you're saying about, you know, that that is one of the best things about being a hobbyist woodworker. You know, I would hate to have to where you actually had to live by a schedule because, yeah, I mean, you can you can spend the time. And, and the fact is, is, you know, it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. And it doesn't, you know, unless you've got, unless the wife is expecting the project in, in two weeks. But she knows better. So, uh, you know, it's a nice thing. You can you can take your time and, and use whatever technique, and, and if it takes a little bit longer and you decide to go, uh, you know, go back like you did and, and, and change something out, it doesn't matter. You can do it. You're not on a schedule. Yeah, I did a, I did a bunch of things on this that, you know, if I was a pro, um, I might not have done. Boy, you guys are boozing it up over there, I see. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I see wine being poured and beer, but um, I'm missing out. I'm going to go get a beer in a minute. But yeah. um, I did some cool stuff because it's all pine. And so um, I laminated in maple wear strips in a bunch of areas, like underneath the doors and in the tracks that they slide on. You know, pine's going to wear out. I've got pine mm -hmm. dressers that wore out. So I, I hid, like, maple strips in there. And then... Um, nice. On the bottom of the big drawers as well, there's maple strips laminated on, and the drawer runners inside this pine cabinet are all maple. So it's kind of cool. It's like a fun exercise in wood technology, and it's a little nuts, but it's worth it, you know? Sure. It's when you're building for yourself. It's the only yeah. way I build. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a cool project. Hopefully you're approaching the end, because even when you're doing it yourself and taking the time to make it come out right, I know that at least for myself after a project's been lingering forever and ever and ever, as much fun as it is, at some point you want to move on to the next one. Yeah, I'll post some pictures when it's done for sure. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I've actually gotten some shop time over the past couple of weeks, which has been a shock because for the last few months it's been really hard to get in the shop. And I don't have anything majorly going on, but I have made progress on a bunch of these open projects that are probably as old as Ace's uh, Tatsu chests. Um, I managed to finish the sheathing on the treehouse, which the kids have appreciated. Soon we'll have decking and they can walk in it. Um, I put up the last three pieces of sheathing on the back wall of the garage. So that's an even bigger milestone. I've been working on the garage wall for almost two years now, and I've only got one piece of sheathing left, and then I get to start electric. And I figured that wasn't enough, so I started a woodworking project. So I'm in the middle of making what's essentially just a glue gun rack for my wife for her craft room but I'm making it out of walnut and ebony and I'm kind of def defining it as I go and it's going to juxtapose one edge is going to be very square and one edge is going to be completely sculpted and it's either going to work or it's going to be a miserable failure but it'll hold the glue gun very well regardless of what it looks like. It sounds fun. So you like to have multiple things going at once. I have to. <laughs> The, I, I've been working on the shop walls since 2010, and at some point, I'm tired of the project, but so I can't just focus on it all the time. But also, cutting, I'm taking four by eight sheets of three quarter inch OSB. I hang it on the, I mo measure out my window opening. I cut an undersized window hole. I hang it on the wall. I reach through the hole. I trace out the window. I bring it back. I cut the hole, and then I cut for outlets. And it's lots of back and forth. And where I have to do the cutting, because I don't have the space in the shop to lay out a 4 by 8 sheet, I have to do it in the driveway. So working at night is an issue with enough lighting to make these accurate cuts. So I tend not to do the wall work at night. Um, the treehouse is the same way. I kind of put it away for the winter. It's now just warm enough to get back there, but it's another thing where I'm not traipsing through the backyard working on the treehouse at night. So when I have a free night and I get in the shop, I want something to do. And this... Uh, my, actually, my wife posted it on Pinterest. It was this, this really simple. Someone made it on Etsy, and it was made of pine, and 
I think they were selling it for $25. And uh, I'm going to have, I don't know, I'm probably going to have about 30 or $40 worth of wood into it. Forgetting the fact it's going to take me hours and hours. But, you know, what else are you going to do when it's dark out and you need something to shape? Yeah, that's it. I mean, a lot of times you just got to... And, uh, no, it sounds like neat. Well, Asa is on a sketchy uh, Connecticut internet connection, and he's dropped out, but I'm sure he'll pop back in in a minute. So we're just going to act like the consummate professionals we are and slog right through these show notes. Um, so that's what's going on. Chris, you want to talk about what's been going on with the MWA over the last few weeks? Well, I mean, I guess the, the first thing I said is like at the woodworking shows, we, uh, that was kind of the first thing off the bat that we've done here, here recently. And, uh, wow, that was a lot of fun. We, um, we had a booth at the show uh, this year. And, and if anyone hasn't been to the woodworking shows this year, um, I really recommend going next year because they did a good job of bringing that back up. And I it really was a want major to, improvement this yeah. year over last year. And I want to—I I would love for us to try to get more booths at those next year, just some different ones around the country, just to uh, try to have a little more participation and audience. Yeah, I got to talk to Sherry. And do you happen to know would it be possible to take a booth and not represent the booth the entire time? Mm. I mean, they they like to try to keep somebody there while you're at yeah. it, but but I don't know. Um, get some feedback. Yeah, uh, he's okay. We'll address that feedback in a minute. I I feel compelled to touch on a topic that I waded neck deep into over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to try not to rehash too much of it, but. Um, Paul Sellers from New Legacy School of Woodworking has been teaching at the woodworking shows, and he's been blogging the hell out of it. He's been posting a blog post almost daily, and some of these are really long, detailed blog posts. So I give Paul a lot of credit for pumping out as much content as he has been. Um, but on the Saturday of the Tampa show, which Tom was at, which was the, two weeks ago, uh, Paul posted a blog entry in which he decried machine manufacturers as deterring women and children from woodworking. And he said... He went on to say that anyone that says a machine is a tool can never understand the art and craft of woodworking. So I, I took offense to that statement in the context of his blog post. And admittedly, I've not read all of his blogs, but I read the whole post before I took a lot of offense to it. And I think that, you know, if you're publishing something, you need to be responsible for what it says. And you can't expect readers to take months of background and add to it. So, um, I wrote my own post about it. You can check my blog if you care to see my rant about it. Um, Megan Fitzpatrick had comments about it on the uh, popular woodworking blog. And quite a discussion blew up around Twitter and Google Plus about this. Um, and I just want to mention a couple things. Is that First, Paul ultimately wrote an additional post clarifying his statements. Um, and that was nice to see Paul react. Um, also, just in reaction to the discussion that blew up on Twitter and Google+, there were people on complete opposite ends of the spectrum, and for reasons that I wouldn't have actually anticipated, the, the spectrum that developed. But what I found encouraging about the whole discussion was that while it got a little tedious and, um, and it kept going on, it didn't get nasty, and at least I don't think it got personal. Um, and I think that says a lot for the community and that... We had this issue pop up that we were clearly divided on, and there was a lot of argument in social forums about the issue. And while people uh, kept coming back to make their point, I don't think anyone got too nasty about it, and I hope no one took too much offense to it. I certainly didn't, though I was certainly willing to th throw some mud around. Um, I thought it spoke well to the community that we could have a heated and yet reasonably civil discussion about something where people were approaching it from opposite ends and the middle and all points in between. Yep. Um, the, the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned, is that woodworking doesn't revolve around what tools you do. The point is to build something, build it the best you can, however you like, and enjoy building it and be proud of it when you're done. That's, that's why I'm here, and that's why I think much of us are here. And you want to use hand tools, you want to use power tools, you want to use steam-powered tools, it doesn't matter. Just make something you like. And, and that said, I, I said earlier, you know, I, I, spent, I, I spent a long time on Saturday 
you know, Paul was here here in Atlanta, uh, talking with him, and um, uh, you know, I, I was I was very impressed by him. I I, I enjoyed spending some time with him. So I actually uh, we came back and recorded uh, a little over a half an hour podcast session with him. So. I will get that edited and get that out. I've, I've actually got a couple of things that's going to be coming out. Um, uh, Diami, you and Tom had actually did quite a bit of recording um, up at Woodwork in America. And field so recording, I finally, they say. Field recording, so I've got all that stuff edited, and that is actually ready to come out, and all I need to do is publish it. So that one was probably going to be the next thing that comes out here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll post it tomorrow or something like that. But, before uh, this one actually posts. I'm going to post before this one. <laughs> so probably. if you're listening to this as the podcast, check the previous one. It'll be right. the one that was recorded in November and gets published tomorrow. Hey, yeah. sir, are you back with us? Yeah, I, I'm having the worst trouble with my Safari. I never use this for Google Hangouts, and hey. um, it's probably just going to crash again. But before... Look. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Let me let me tell you a little hint. When you're using Google Plus, I, I should have mentioned this earlier. Don't use Safari. Um, I always use I always use the uh, Firefox or whatever it is. The other that's one. That's what I got. That's that is the same thing. Safari, Firefox. I think that's the same well, thing. No, it's two different ones. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, I, I use mean, Safari. The same thing, but they're different programs. Yeah. Oh, I'm on Fi- I'm on Firefox. Uh, okay. Hold- but anyway, if that doesn't work, I'm really up a creek because my iPad doesn't work either. So I've eliminated <laughs> all means of accessing the Internet. Well, but hopefully this works. Yeah, we've, uh, we've managed to run out of other things to talk about. So now I guess we have to talk about Fine Woodworking Live. So why don't well, you introduce before, that to people since you're on, online right now? Yeah, well, before you get off the Paul Sellers thing, I just wanted to say a couple quick things. Um, the... Uh, um, I think Megan and everybody online and Diami and everything, you guys wrote really eloquent, um, you know, uh, answers to Paul. And um, But, you know, ha- having been someone who stepped in a little poop on the Internet, I have some sympathy for Paul. Um, you know, the Internet loves a controversy, you know. And, uh, um, and also I have sympathy for where Paul's coming from. You know, he was brought up through that British system and... Um, you may have just talked about this, but he, you know, he knows the, that 2,000 things, subtle things about using hand tools that's all being lost, you know, today by people, mm-hmm. and uh, and it probably will get lost in the big, you know, stream of history, and it's sad, and I think he's saddened by that, you know, and that's his perspective. He has a, a really special love for hand tools, and he sees them as elevated above power tools. I disagree with that, like you, like Megan does, and you guys do. But, um, but I get where he's coming from. And uh, also, you know, he's also his perspective. Every perspective has a blind spot, right? So his is a little bit colored by the fact that um, he also makes his living off of having you come to him to learn hand tool skills. So that's a little bit part of it too. But my whole thing is like. I've learned, you know, the hard way to really focus on what unites us all. And and uh, there's lots of ways that people come to um, woodworking. And one of them is by that historical connection to hand tool use. And the other one is, uh, it, another one is they come, uh, other people come at it with power tools. So whatever gets people woodworking, I'm happy. You know, whatever gets them in the shop and gets them woodworking, I'm happy. Now, I wasn't listening earlier, so that may have nothing to do with what you talked about earlier, but... No, it did. I mean, that was, you know, kind of the, and I think that's it. You know, and I was telling Diami, I don't know if you heard this part, but, um, you know, I, I had quite a bit of time to, to talk, you know, since the, he was at the woodworking shows. He does travel around with that. So, you know, I spent quite a bit of time on Saturday. And, um, yeah, I, I think the problem, my problem is, is, is you know, a lot of times it's, it's, it's easy to say something in person. Um, and yes. a lot of times when you write stuff, you have to be careful. That's true. You don't get just, to... You, you don't. You're right. It's like an email. It can come across really hard. It can just come across <laughs> yes, it completely as different from what you mean on it. So you know, and that's yeah. and that's unfortunate. We all have to be careful about what we write because, you know, when when we're in person and we're talking, and sometimes our personalities come through, and and the way that we say things comes across a certain way, and they don't always come across that way. Yeah, but I thought Megan made some really good points. I actually agree with most of what she said. That that I think for new people. Uh, coming to the craft, I think most new people will find power tools a lot more predictable than hand tools. Um, I, I would agree with yeah. that. That I, I talked about that in my right. example of uh, 
actually um, a gentleman who was pointed towards me by the uh, fine woodworking staff um, who was tr at 80 years old trying to learn how to do woodworking, and I think that was just fantastic. And he was going on and on about he's – now, he's never done woodworking of any sort, right. and he wants to start by cutting hand-cut mortise and tenon joints for a desk. Yeah. And I, I did everything I could to push him towards uh, pocket screws, and I'm not looking to – you know, uh, degrade the craft, but for somebody just getting into it, you do it out of pocket screws, the desk is going to be a success, and you're going to finish the desk, and it's going to work, and you're going to be happy that you built something, and you yeah. can always cut a mortise tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but to jump right into a mortise and tenon having no prior experience, I think you're just, that the barrier to entry is too high. So I think, yeah. you know, to talk about power tools versus hand tools, Power tools provide a nice, easy, accessible way. I don't know many woodworkers now who are heavy or exclusive hand tool users um, who came up through hand tools. Most of the people I know didn't get any formal training of any sort, and they came in through power tools and then decided that they liked working with hand tools more, but they got their feet wet with power tools, which were just easier to start with. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, that's what was so great about Norm Abram and the New Yankee Workshop is that he showed people through power tools how they could get results quick. Now, a lot of our audience at Fine Woodworking had a cow about that, but um, uh, the truth is that that is a really good way. Now, you know, to get into woodworking, maybe the best way. But um, And, you know, when we've done our video series on startwoodworking.com, which people could check out, um, we always started with power tools first, routers and sanders and stuff like that. Um, but... Uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, we're prob I'm probably uh, beating a dead horse. But the other thing is uh, with what Paul said is that, you know, power tools, you know, to his credit, power tools are scary for kids, though. It's like I have trouble getting my kids out. I don't want to touch the women thing because that's just making a stereotype, and Megan was all over that, and rightly so. But the thing about kids, it is tough to get them into woodworking through power tools because it's pretty scary, you know, at getting my own kids into the shop. On the other hand, they don't want to fuss with hand tools either. So it's like hand tools are safer but frustrating. Power tools are faster but dangerous. It's tough to get little kids into a shop. Yep. Mm. Anyway, just more. So tell us so tell us about fine woodworking. All what right, do we got this year? All right. Talk about that. Before we lose you again. Before my computer crashes. So yeah. real quick, um, last year was a blast, and it was long overdue, like you guys know. You guys were there. We had a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's just a different product for us. It's a way to actually meet everybody in person. Um, and for us all to meet each other in person was great. So after having done it once, the great thing is you get to start to make improvements. And one thing is we got rid of the sort of core classes that everyone has to take, and it's all elective. So that's our sort of theme this year is, like, you're in charge. And there's a lot more to choose from. Once you do all the electives, um, it forces you to have a lot more classes. So we have we have like 24, 25 different classes you can choose to take. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, I read uh, the website says 20, more than 23. So that would be <laughs> yeah, that's a strangely vague and strangely specific. <laughs> um, can, can you tell us about what some of those classes are? Well, it's the typical stuff that you would see in fine woodworking, but we raised the level up a little bit. We found that the folks come in there we're pretty experienced. You know, if they're that passionate and they're going to put out that kind of dough and time, they were pretty experienced. So it's a little bit higher up the chain in terms of skill level and showing you something you've never seen before. So it's more hardcore into, um, you know, all different aspects, every possible aspect of woodworking um, from, you know, traditional furniture construction to uh, hand tool work. Uh, so we're able to drop the price a little bit too. Um, that's great. So that's cool. And we have some really interesting, because we're in New Haven, we have some really cool things planned that people should take notice of. Take note of. Um, one is we're going to take 30 people on the, on the Yale Furniture Tour, uh, nice. the Yale Furniture Study, which is like this amazing like $100 million collection of period furniture, probably unparalleled. It's the stuff that's behind the scenes at the Yale Art Museum that they don't even usually bring out. And it's just row after row of, like, Goddard and Townsend pieces. It's unbelievable. And you have to get this guided tour down into this secret Batman lair underneath the museum. <laughs> and uh, that's really great. 
And another cool thing, that's, that's sort of like um, you do that on the day before the show starts. You, you, uh, you opt, that's an option. That will um, be on Thursday? That will be on Thursday, yeah, before the, on the registration day. And, uh, and then also on Friday night, I believe, um, we're lining up a build-off. This hasn't even been announced yet, so you guys are getting an exclusive. So we're having, you know, where um, Woodworking in America has their hand tool Olympics, we're going to have a build-off um, uh, where, um, where I can't really tell you what it's going to be, but we're going to have tools out there, and people are going to make teams, and they're going to design and build something right there that night with a kind of a, an MC, and, uh, and then at the end, we'll, uh, we'll have a big tool giveaway for the winning teams. I like that. That'll be on Friday night? Yeah. So yeah, and that's free. That's free to everybody. I know this is a great idea given the technical difficulties we've encountered tonight, but that build-off is something you guys should broadcast. That would be cool, huh? That's yeah. a really good idea. Is like just broadcast it and let people because we're going to have a lot of camera guys there. So, so do you guys think we try to do it live or broadcast? I would do it, it live. live? I would uh, uh, on Friday night. I will probably be driving home from Lake George, and I would watch it as I drive if I had well, to. What? And what I was going to say, Ace, is is you could always you could stream it live with one camera, and then of course just do a little better version. You know, maybe you could do another camera or something with a little better versions that that's better than a stream to show. But uh, I think that's it'd be cool. Really, that's a really good idea. And then you know, it'll have the show will have all the other features that we had last year, like just. But a couple more improvements are more time to hang out between sessions. We're staggering the sessions a little bit, so you get more time alone with the vendors. It's not like a flood of 250 people to the vendors all at once. Um, and that hands-on time with the vendors, people rated that really highly. So, um, And we're going to have more vendors this year, more well, manufacturers. That was my next question. So, I mean, last year you had uh, Lee Valley and, and Veritas there. Um, so you do plan on it's a little bit bigger kind of vendor area this year? Yeah, I think we're going to have five or six. Like you said, we had Lee Nielsen and Lee Valley uh, Veritas, right? And um, right. so uh, this year we're going to have probably those same guys and also some other folks too. And, uh, you know, the, the driving force of the show is really to learn about woodworking and hang out with each other That's and meet make new friends, meet old ones. The Having a big vendor area... Uh, a, a giant, you know, manufacturer area like a trade show floor is not the focus of it. But um, so we're kind of hand we we're sticking with our philosophy of handpicking vendors that can really give you hands-on time. No, I, I think it's. I mean, I I agree. I think that it's you know it it there's there's a compromise there. I mean, you, it's it's nice to have some people there that you can you can get in there and talk to and see some of these because a lot of times it is a good opportunity. You know, I've I've made you know, points in the past, like with, um, you know, I've, I've got, um, sometimes there's a tool that you, you hold and stuff and you don't really know what it feels like and whether you, you really enjoy it until you've got it in your hand. So I do like having the, the vendors and stuff there. So, so I think that's a nice touch to have a few more in there. That's a really great thing about those Lee Valley and Lee Nielsen guys. Mm -hmm. They really uh, are, they're, they're woodworkers themselves and they really, you know, they have benches set up and you can really uh, have a real experience with the tools and decide whether or not uh, how it feels to you and learn about the tools, which well, is, there's not the yeah. hard sell. And I was going to say, uh, what's what's interesting is on the, like, say, a hand plane and stuff, you're sitting here, you know, those guys will actually sit there and, and teach people. You know, they'll sit there and go, hey, you know, when you're planing, you know, step into it like this, you know, stand over like this. So not only are they, you know, they're not just trying to sell you the planes. These guys are... Have done this for years and and really experienced guys, so they're going to make sure that you kind of know what you're doing and and teach you a little bit as long as you owe. So it's almost like you know kind of hands-on teaching at some of these events when you've got these guys there. Yeah, and that's the focus of our event. Just like that's the focus of the magazine is mm -hmm. um, is aside from the alcohol uh, consumption I see, I witness right now, it's also um, uh, it, it's also to uh, you know the hangout aspect, but it's really a teaching event. It's like to help you raise your woodworking game, and that's the focus of the magazine: is to empower people and uh, give them more tools, you know, more arrows in their quiver, so they can and, and inspire them to get back out in the shop and stuff. And you guys know there's something about witnessing things in person that's really different than seeing them on the internet or or um, in a magazine. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was saying, I was telling somebody the other day this 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 very same thing because, you know, whether it be you know Fine Woodworking Live or, or you know any of these different shows, you know, like this weekend I was at the um, the woodworking shows and and even that, it, it's amazing how much how energized you come out of it. You know, you oh, leave right. there and you're just you're pumped, you're ready to get back into it. So. For me, I mean, it's it's almost a necessity that I do a couple of these shows, you know, in a, in a year, just because it keeps me going. I mean, it keeps me motivated, and and so if if any of the listeners and stuff, if you haven't been to a show, you've got to get out there and go, and and you know, it it's just it's so so worth getting in there and, and kind of getting yourself motivated and pumped up for it. Yeah, another really cool thing that people can do, yeah, I've found is when I've gone around the country, sometimes I get to judge some of these guild shows, you know how there's guilds and associations all around, like yours, but mm -hmm. they're more right, localized, right. you know, right. and they have exhibitions. That's another great thing to recharge your batteries. If you can if you can commit to exhibiting one of your pieces in one of those shows, um, just some local show, it doesn't, not to win an award, just to have human beings sort of celebrate it and see it and put it out there on display, um, it's really energizing. The first step is like go to one of those exhibits by local woodworkers, and then you're like, man, I got to get my stuff in here. And then I always leave those things too, really feeling energized. Like, look at all the things. Look at these, you know, 65 pieces that these 65 people have built. It gets my butt right back out in the shop. Which is, Tiami and I were talking about this the other day. It's like when your day job is really tiring. You have to sometimes force yourself out into the shop, and you know it's kind of like working out. If you put on the workout clothes, you know it's like okay, I'll go work out. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I was, gonna, I was actually about to make a reference to that because you know I, I like to, I like to run races. You know, and I like to run, so I enter in a lot of races because if I know I've got a race in in three weeks that I'm going to run more to do it. So same thing, like you were saying, if you enter your stuff in, in one of these and you know that's going to make you get in the shop because you don't want to throw a, something that's going to fall apart when you set it on the counter. <laughs> so, right. Deadlines so it, are a wonderful thing you, for productivity. It is. It makes you, makes you get in there and spend some time in the shop. So but it's good thing. Like, it's kind of like just that act of being around other people, no matter what your thing is, whether you're into Buddhist right. meditation or whatever it is, or, you know, it's, you know, or going to church on Sunday, the act of, you know, sort of celebrating something together as a group, I think human beings really respond to that. Yep. I agree. Yep. So that's, that's what we've really discovered about, um, about, uh, Fine Woodworking Live is the, you know, how great that has been and just the human factor, you know, that's what it's all about. And people, we get to meet the readers and learn more about them, and they get to meet some of the folks in the magazine, and it's kind of a big love fest. Yeah, it, but that's the wonderful thing about it, and all the events like this is it's the education is fantastic, but so is everybody you meet there. Yeah. Awesome! I'm glad you guys had fun, and if you guys can make it this year, I know we're going to take it to a whole other level, man. I'm going to try. Yep, I uh, I plan on trying to make it because. Uh... Definitely had a lot of fun last year, and I'm 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 anxious to see uh, see what uh, how it goes this year and see the improvement. So I was happy to hear that you had a good experience at one of those woodworking shows because that I I met the guy who took it over, um, yes. Bryce Spearman. Bryce, yeah, yeah, and he is has really been studying it for a number of years and being a part of the show, and now he owns it himself. And mm -hmm. I had a feeling from talking to him he was really going to improve a lot of the things about it that people didn't like and. I'm really happy to hear that he's already a success in his very first year. And I and I can tell you from from talking to him, um, keep an eye on it next year. I mean, he's he's really got some great ideas, and uh, you know, and and now that the season is over, you know, I think in the past they've just kind of blown it off until the next season starts. But he is uh, he's already on the next season working on it. So um, so I think he there's going to be like a lot of good really things. Really substantial guy, you know what I mean? Like a really stand up guy and. Uh, this our industry really needs a traveling woodworking show that can connect everybody. Um, you know, because there's IWF and AWFS; mm -hmm. um, those are big industrial shows in Vegas and Atlanta. But that's not really exactly for our crowd. Right. Um, there's a hodgepodge of other shows like Popwood and Fine Woodworking, and and now the uh, the guys who make the Benchcraft it or has a show, and there's all these shows popping up. Wood Magazine, I see that. But it's nice to have a series of traveling shows that connects everybody. Um, I think it's really cool, and I hope 
uh, Bryce really makes it work. I think yeah. He, and, and I, I was, go ahead, Dylan. Uh, thanks. I, I didn't spend as much time as you did there, Chris. But I I was I made the woodworking shows this year. I had missed last year, but last year was the first year I missed out of the last five or six years. And what a difference there was this year. Just in the everyone was was eager and excited, and clearly the the vendors and the the staff and the people who were going around with the show. Everyone there has been re-energized by the the change in ownership and the new show. Um, and I oh, had to hear that. Yeah, I was I was able to spend some time with the with Andy Chidwick and his, his wife Sherry after the show, and you know they're going around traveling with it, and they're just really excited to be with the show now with the new owners and and the new direction the show's going. And that's that's all of the vendors. I mean, every single I, you know, I I talked to every single vendor that I could talk to there about the about the direction and stuff, and they were just pumped. I mean, they were all so excited, and they said, you know, we're just we're excited this year. We're we're really just looking forward to the future. So, uh, so yeah, I think there's going to be some good things to come out of that. A couple of things about be, just in case I get cut off. You know, I'm I'm nervous now. I'm gunshot. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of things about Fine Woodworking Live I want to say before I go, and that is um, that it's early bird pricing now, like we do every year. So um, you get a, if you buy the show and the banquet. Uh, oh, by the way, we got Brian Boggs this year doing the banquet uh, uh, presentation, which is going to be great and a little less controversial than. Nick is Austin. he going to sing? <laughs> He's going to sing songs about politics and religion. Yeah. Okay, then yeah. I'll be there. Perfect. Yeah. But um. I don't. I hope. I know he's not going to do that. But um, we have early bird pricing uh, now, and you, you save almost a hundred bucks. I think off the whole wow. price of the banquet and the uh, and the uh, conference. And uh, also, um, when you register, um, people have been a little confused about when do I sign up for my electives. They're nervous. You will get an email after you register that then invites you to select your. Um, it comes, you know, what two days, three days, possibly after you register. Uh, we deploy them uh, two days a week. Anyway, boring, but uh, you will get a uh, a uh, thing that asks you for your to choose your elective preferences, and then um, and, and your alternates and stuff like that. And we'll, we we anticipate being able to give everyone exactly what they ask for. And where do they go to register, Asa? Uh, so all the information, all the registration, all the everything, all the info about the event, the complete list of presenters and classes and everything you need to know about um, housing and everything, it's all at finewoodworkinglive.com. Finewoodworkinglive.com, simple, straightforward. Um, one other thing I didn't mention is that the on-campus housing, There's just like we had last time, you can stay in the dorms, but they're a lot nicer this time, and they do have air conditioning. Did so they August. give you a fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was last year. It was a very value-oriented proposition. This year, it's uh, still a great bargain, but you do have air conditioning, which is nice. Nice. I'm, I'm sure some guys like... Uh, who was it? I think Rusty. Rusty uh, stayed. Yeah, Rusty Ru stayed Rusty, in the dorms. R Rusty talked about the. He did. He got a kick out of it. And he talked about the fans and the. So was, I think he enjoyed it. Honestly. Did he really? <laughs> he oh. did. He said it was like a, you know, just this communal atmosphere, and I, I don't know. He seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, we had a we had a music night, which you know, not enough people really came to. I think it was really just the people who were staying in the dorms and were looking for stuff to do. So we're replacing Music Night with um, the build-off. But Music Night was still fun, and all the dorm guys came over, and we played music and shot pool and drank beer, and it was really great. But, um, you know, we're just turning the dials each year, you know, to make it better every year, and that's the great thing about uh, doing part two. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Awesome. Now, uh, while we got you, now that we've – well, let me – before I say now that we've covered everything about Fine Woodworking Live, is there anything we've not covered that you want to talk about before we move on? I don't think so. Just go to finewoodworkinglive.com, and um, and it's all there for you. All right. Well, um, one other thing before we wrap oh, this up August, is... It's, oh. uh, it's August 8 to 11. Didn't say that. August 8 to 11, Southern Connecticut State University in New Haven, Connecticut. That's it. Where the sun actually rises, unlike Long Island. Unlike Long Island. That's <laughs> right. Um, before we wrap this up, though, Asa, I understand you've got an opening at Fine Woodworking. You want to tell the audience about what you're looking for? Oh, sure, yeah. We're looking for this rare individual who uh, has some writing and editing training and a passion for woodworking. So um, it's an odd job. Uh, it's, uh, 
you have to really be into woodworking and have done a fair bit of it to understand what the authors are talking about. But you also have usually the people who have worked out the best have had some professional writing or editing experience um, uh, because what you're with the core of the job is you're taking what these fine woodworking is all written by outside authors. You know, we used a hundred of them last year, and so you're taking people who have great info but who are not right who are not writers and you're helping them present their information in a clear way. So um, it's an odd collection of skills that you need to have, but um, if it sounds like, if any of your folks, if you're like, whoa, that's me, uh, they should definitely apply because it's the greatest job on earth for the right person. And where would they apply? Okay, so they go to taunton.com, to the Taunton Press website, uh, T-A-U-N-T-O-N.com, and then there's an employment uh, Button. That's embarrassing. I forgot to, to spell my own company name. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to help you out with it, but I thought that'd be worse. I wasn't going to call you out. <laughs> but it's getting a little late. I need a beer. I never, you know, I didn't ever grab a beer. I need to get lubricated a little. But um, you were you were not prepared. Yes. No. So that's that's it. And it's a it's a hard job to fill because there you know there aren't as many young people. Um, woodworking as there were in the 80s and stuff and also a lot of journalism people have left the field because publishing has gotten so slammed so uh, it's actually hard for us to find people who are a perfect fit. Now that uh, that, that about wraps up the main topics for tonight uh, before we close this thing out Asa you want to tell everyone where they can find more about you and about fine woodworking? Uh, Finewoodworking.com is uh, your connection to all things fine woodworking um, you can. Uh, we've redesigned the site recently. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it, it it's uh, it's responsive design now. So whether you're on a, uh, a phone or an iP or a tablet or uh, any size screen computer, it works a lot better. The search is a lot better for content. Um, you know, members, uh, full members of FindWoodworking.com get access to the almost 40-year archive of articles. Um, and our video workshops, which you guys have probably seen some of, mm -hmm. are um, they're excellent. Nicely done uh, these days with really top quality people. So, um, and they're on there. There's connections to just a lot of other things like Fine Woodworking Live, like our sort of brother site, StartWoodworking.com, which is more mm -hmm. to get people introduced to woodworking. I always try to send people there, um, or just to brush up on your basics, you know. So, uh, FineWoodworking.com is the portal. Right. And if anyone's looking, it does look good on mobile devices now. That is a nice, responsive design. Nice. Used to be quite a pain in the butt. I'm glad you've improved it. It's, a, it's great now. We were the first uh, of our Taunton Press websites. To yeah, get I've been design. using it on my, my iPad and like it. Oh, really? That's cool. Actually, subscribers now get free tablet versions of the magazine, so you get a nice flip page kind of version of the magazine with uh, enhanced features for the tablet, designed specifically for the tablet, and that's really beautiful too. If you guys have iPads or whatever, you should check it out. Definitely will. That, that's exactly how I, I get mine through and love it like that. So it's great. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I'm still looking to keep your printers in business. I love the printed magazine. I still, um, there's something different about it. I can't really read books on a reader either. It's just that maybe I'm old school, but there's something about the paper and the printed page. I, I've always said the same thing. I, I enjoy paper, and I still do. I get paper magazines, and I buy paper books and stuff. But at the same time, I, I find that I'm I'm on the road so much, and I'm in different places all the time that I just I like to keep um, a couple of magazines and books on it, just so that if I want to pull something out and read, I've got it. So, uh, so I've 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 adapted to learn to use both. <laughs> You know, it's amazing the choices now that we have. It's unreal. Like what my kids have, it's just, it's unbelievable. And I'm, you know, I'm not too old to take advantage of it. Like I'm a podcast nut. Like I listen to comedy podcasts and we have one. Oh, by the way, we have Shop Talk Live, which you guys have probably heard now and again. Um, uh, and that's doing really well. We're getting a lot of downloads on that, like 10 or 12,000 per episode now. So, That's great. It's an excellent podcast. For any of our listeners who haven't listened to it, it's very worthwhile. And if you go back to a particular episode in uh, in early December, I believe it is, I think that might be the best episode you guys have done. <laughs> yeah, there were some guys, there were some young upstart guys from some weird online woodworking association on there. 
like yeah, men, but, with, men with attitudes or something. Yeah, I, I think that would have it would have been better, but there was some there was some handsome guy that missed out on that one. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You didn't make it. You didn't make it. <laughs> that's right. Oh, wait, wait, we had we had the woodworking underwear model with us. How could we oh, be more handsome? Oh, you did have the underwear model. Dang it! <laughs> it was fun, and you guys are welcome to come on anytime um, you want to. Anytime somebody wants to make the drive over to our place. One thing we've been adding on Shop Talk Live, which by the way is on iTunes, um, is we've been doing a lot of remote interviews with people. Like we've had the we've had Mira Nakashima on there, which was mm-hmm. great. That was had, a great interview. We had the tool engineers from Veritas on there, and we just had Phil Lowe, a really beautiful interview with Phil Lowe, talking about how he got started um, in woodworking, which is such a great story. So it's fun. It's like now we have this other tool, which is like a radio show almost, where you get to do audio interviews, and people can put on earbuds and take it with them in the car or the shop. Or It's just unbelievable, like I was saying, the, enter- the, the entertainment choices. Well, maybe we should do like. Do you remember back in the '80s when you had all the sitcoms and stuff, and you would have you would have two sitcoms, and you would have like the the crossover. They would do two <laughs> episodes back to back, and they were crossovers. Okay. Maybe when we come up for for fine woodworking, we should do a crossover uh, podcast. You know. Oh yeah, you. Well, that's a killer idea. So when you guys come up for fine woodworking live, we can we are going to do a podcast from the event. Let's do a joint podcast. Yeah, that would be excellent. that'd be awesome. I'd love that. That'd be fun. All right, it sounds good. So. All right. Well, with that date set, uh, I think it's time we wrap this thing up. It's after 10 o'clock now. Um, so, Asa, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Fine Woodworking Live. Uh, I want to let everybody know that our next podcast will be live on April 10th, and then we're going to have Charles Brock, chairmaker extraordinaire, on to talk about his lovely sculpted pieces he makes. Um, looking forward to that. And then uh, two weeks after that, on the 24th, we're going to have Bruce Wang from Microjig to talk about all the different products Microjig is making and that great gripper that they have that I think has saved a couple of Tom's fingers. Um, so with that, that about wraps up the show. Uh, I'm Diami Plotke of penultimatewoodshop.com. I'm on Twitter at Diami Plotke. That's D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E. And Mr. Right. Atkins. I'm Chris Adkins of HighRockWoodworking.com, or you can find me on Twitter at HighRockWW. Or at a lot of rest stops along the highway. That's that's right. <laughs> but let's not get into all that. <laughs> we won't we won't cover that. I had to end with a lame joke. So uh, thanks so much, you guys, for having me on. It's um, it's really fun. I, I love this sort of thing. Oh, wait, wait. I forgot to ask the most important question, Asa, with okay. you being on here and fine woodworking live. Turkey bacon or no turkey bacon? <laughs> we have learned a hard lesson that you do not roll out turkey bacon with a bunch of woodworkers. <laughs> no, I think the turkey bacon went over less well than the singing did. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note. Talk about divisive. The singing song. Yeah. People loved it, but you know we had a couple. People I thought it was about. great, but I'm from New York, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not everyone's cup of tea. And Nick is such a good guy, you know. It was just awesome. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thanks again, anyway. Asa. We really appreciate you being on. Yeah. My so pleasure. If you want to learn more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, please be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com for up-to-the-minute happenings of the many f- different chapters, and follow us on Twitter at mwa underscore national. If you want to start a chapter of your own, just click on the Join MWA tab at the top of the website. It's a little out of order. And remember, membership is free, but the connections you make will be priceless. I'm the guy with the half-finished treehouse wishing you happy sawdust. Happy sawdust.